Well, it's great to be, it's great to be back. It really is. Uh, under any circumstance, uh, it's great to be back, and we're delighted to see faces that we know and have appreciated and uh, sing with you songs of the faith this morning. Um, with us, we don't usually take people with us, but our new residents of Tennessee are people, and most of you actually bear their name on your license plate, most of you probably, because it's Anderson. And I think that's what's on the back of your, your license plate. So, so Gary and Margaret, that's Charlotte's sister, um, her favorite sister, and her only sister. But uh, they moved here. Uh, Gary is, like many of you, kind of in that engineering world, only as it relates to the automotive side of of, of things so that's about all I know about what he does so you'll have to ask him for more information but glad to have you Gary and Margaret with us we're, we're going to study this morning just a, a, a primer really on holy living which comes from the book of Colossians and the third chapter Colossians chapter 3 and the opening section of this uh, sets the stage really for the second half of the, the letter that Paul wrote to be circulated among the churches, uh, but starting with the believers who were in the city of, of Colossae. Uh, so I ask you to turn, you've already started to do that, to Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read those first 11 verses. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I guess I should also tell you another member of our family moved here. That's uh, Our son is on staff at Two Rivers, but his next older brother, uh, who is self-employed, uh, bought a place with his family, and they live in Knoxville now, and they have teenagers. So uh, two in college and uh, two in high school. And um, sometimes I get to ask them this question. I'm going to ask you the same question this morning. And that is, how were you under the Word today? How were you under the Word? Not under the preaching, necessarily, but the Word of God. And so I'm going to ask you that question when you're done. How were you under the Word? It's not a matter of liking it or not liking the sermon. It's the Word of God that we focus on this morning. So may I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 1 and read through verse 11. And this is in the ESV, which I think you use here, at least some of you do. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. 
Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of God. Please be seated. I I don't know where you all are as a a church right now in terms of uh, what we, I guess we might say in the computer world, rebooting, uh, starting some things again that you didn't think you would be doing right now, but you are. I don't know where you are in that process. Uh, But I know over the last number of months at least, people have talked with you, especially the leaders of the church, about things like vision and mission and strategy and all those kinds of words that get used within the secular as well as sometimes within the religious or sacred community. All of them are important things to consider. But I want to suggest something to you today that's even more important than that. And others have said this better than I, so here here is how Ronald Keener put it. He said, the strongest force in an organization is not vision or strategy, it is the culture which holds all the other components. And this morning I want to speak with you about, from this passage of Scripture, about the culture that God has given to us as believers in the body of Christ to the local church to the churches like Colossae and Faith Bible Fellowship just a few years later on down the road. What's it like when people walk through the doors of a church, when they talk with you perhaps as we do before service, when they meet you at work or perhaps at school, they find out that you're a part of this church. What's it like? What's the fragrance? What do they get from you? That's an important question for me to ask of myself. I mean, I'm I'm in my 70s, so people don't expect the same thing from me as they might from some of the young people and vice versa, but we're all a part of the same church. What do they they hear? What do they sense when they come into our presence? What do we focus on? I, I, I think, this is my thought, that if a church is going to reach its community, There are three things that are very important. One is its message must be very clear. The second is that its culture must be consistent. And the third is that its presentation, its presentations must be compelling. That is, how do we we give of ourselves to others? We know and we focus on the message. But we can't miss that. The, The message must be very clear. And we oftentimes call that the good news. We call that the gospel. It's really the foundation of our being together, the message of God's Word. And we know that this Gospel indicates that we are sinners. We've sung of it this morning. And that doesn't sound like good news because we've violated, we've missed the mark, we've shot and we missed. We've missed the mark of God's glory. And that sounds like bad news, except that God has offered to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to be our Savior and our Lord and to live His life through us by His Spirit. He's offered Himself as the forgiveness or the one who would take care of all the aspects of that sin in our life. 
And we have a relationship with him that goes on not only for now, but for eternity, so the Bible teaches. That's our message in a, in a couple of sentences. And we're not going to talk today, the leaders of the church can talk about the, the presentation of the church. How do you present yourself to others? But let's focus on that middle thought, this matter of culture, this culture that must be consistent within the church. People say, well, what do you mean by culture? Well, we're living in a time where people are talking about it always. They're talking about redefining it. They're talk talking about uh, getting rid of the culture that we have known. Obliviating some of the things that we just assumed were a part of our lives. Well, we hear a lot of that in the secular world today. But what about in the church? Is it different for us in some way? I would suggest it is. And I'd like us to see that this morning. But there's a, there's a, I think, a rather pleasant read uh, from my past. A, a man who led one of the Baptists. There's a few more Baptists besides Southern Baptists. You know that. Denominations in America. And this one, a man's name is Hans Finzel. And, uh, Hans Finzel, excuse me. And, and he, he, he defined culture this way. He just simply said, culture is the way we do things around here. Culture is just simply the way we do things around here so eh, keep that in the back of your mind as well now as we look at these verses so, what, what, what culture is not is just who we are uh, we come from different backgrounds uh, look at verse 11 some are jews some aren't uh, some are uh, wealthy and some aren't some are sophisticated educated and some aren't some are slaves and some aren't you go to another passage of Scripture, you'll find out some are men and some aren't. We all get together in this entity called the body of Christ or the church. That's not what makes our culture. I remember being raised in this little, well, first in a Baptist church where my dad was the preacher, but then in this little free church, Bible church in the middle of the United States, and everybody just seemed to be a mixture. Then Charlotte and I went off and we were youth, doing youth ministry in a church in New Jersey. And they had names like Oslo. And uh, all these, I, I, I pronounced it Oslog. I didn't even know how to pronounce their names. You know, they were all these Scandinavian. Everybody just except for Buberson, uh, me, was, was Swedish, I think, or Norwegian actually they were. That's not the church, generally speaking. We come from all, but we have this one thing. It's, people would say it's the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ flows through all of us. It's His life in us. And that's what this passage of Scripture helps us to understand and see so clearly today. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So what I'd like you to see is that God calls us to intentionally, and I think then as we our this way intentionally we'll also see it becoming a natural part of who we are we are to express who christ is to others and so i'm going to talk about two things today one is about formation the formation of this culture and the second thing is what i'm i'm going to call the repetitions of this culture and you'll see how they they flow together so first of all from verses one through three really one through four we see that god wants us to focus on this formation. Here's what we need to do. We need, we need to look at our lives, our spiritual lives together. And we need to see that we are together in some sense of formation. Now, 
I've never been in the military. Some of you have. Some of you will be at some point in your life. But I was raised in a church that had a Christian uh, ministry to boys and young fellas up through the age of 18, actually. And I participated in that stuff from the time I was eight all the way for, for a decade of my life. And along the way, uh, they, they used a military format. Along the way, I learned, you know, how to do a right face and left face, battalion fall in, and attention, and, and, and dress right dress, and at ease, all those different things. I learned them all. I, mean, I think I was pretty good. I think I could have gone into the military and had a little bit of heads up uh, on some of them. But that's about formation. But you ought to know this about formation, though. People like to parade them off and, and have people see how good they look in their uniforms and how they can march and all that stuff. That's not what it's about at all. It's not about, about just how they look. It's about what they do, why they're, how they're connected, how they go forward. What's the work of that formation? And I think that's true in the body of Christ as well. I mean, the Bible makes it very clear that you and I have been conformed to the, we've, been, we've been created by God to be conformed to the image of God or the image of Christ by His Spirit. It's all done by God. Romans 12 talks about that a lot. But we're, we're, we're called into relationship not just as brothers and sisters, but something is happening in the midst of the church. And so we, we see here, finally, we see in this passage of Scripture Actually, it comes across as if it's a question, but it's not. A, you can see it's not a question. It's really a, a rhetorical question. It's a statement. If then you have been re raised with Christ, which means, of course you have been. You know that, right? You've been raised with Christ. That's how it starts. Or if you jump down to verse 3, for you have died. You have died. Don't, don't stop there. And your life, wait a minute, dead, but still I have a life, is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, it says. There's something about the formation of who we are that Paul wants us to understand in these few simple statements. We are with Christ in God and we are in Christ and Christ in us. Or if we go over to other passages of the Bible like Romans chapter 6, verse 5, we find Paul using the word united. We are united with Christ. Not just one and one, but this way. In fact, every once in a while, we just need to remember that in the New Testament, the, 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 the language, the, the Greek language is, is structured such that you can't always tell when we translate it in English when it says you, does it mean you as an individual or you as a group? Most of the time, it's a plural. Most of the time, it's about the us of the church when he says you. So when you are united with Christ, it's not just, it's all of us together. And, and also, I guess as a bit of an aside, we do well just to study the prepositions of the New Testament. What does it mean to be in? What does it mean to be with? What, it mean, what does it mean uh, to be by? Uh, John Stott wrote a marvelous book called The Life in Christ. And it was, it's all about the prepositions of the... And it's an, actually an enjoyable read as well, believe it or not. So, that's this formation. Uh, we talk to God. God talks to us. We listen we speak. Dallas Willard, in a marvelous book on listening to God, talks about relationships that we have 
with God together, we are one. That's the formation. Now, maybe as a way to help us remember this, uh, some of you bake bread. Just remember, just, just in passing, I'll just throw this out. I love bread. Just not going to say any more about it, but I do love bread. But, and, and I know a little bit about what you do. I, I've studied this, this thing called baking of bread. So, you, you know, you, you take your three cups of flour and you get your, your tablespoon of vinegar and your tablespoon of olive oil and, and you maybe just a little bit of salt and a little bit of sugar perhaps and maybe about 10 ounces of water, right? And you, you put all the, oh, yes, and maybe a half teaspoon of that stuff called yeast makes it pretty good and you mix it together and you mix it and then pretty soon you're kneading it and you're trying and you make it into this ball and you put it in the oven and it rises and comes out and it's an amazing thing isn't it i mean you can smell it you can taste it it feels good i love the crust all of that but just for the record i don't eat any of those things just by themselves those ingredients. Uh-uh. My grandfather used to. He used to take a tablespoon of vinegar every day. That's how he stayed healthy. Lived to be 92. So uh, maybe it works. But not, not me. You've got to put it together. And then I love it. That's the body of Christ. That's all of us. You know, some of us are annoying. Just as individuals, of course, right? You know, you know who they are. They don't know that you're one of them too. But it's all of that going... All that, but when we come together, that's formed by God in Christ, united in Him. Wow, man, that's good stuff. And that's what Paul is telling our, us about our formation. Now he tells us that our formation has a focus as well. It has a focus, and we need to see that. Um, also today. What is the focus of our formation? Now, I want you to think of it this way. It's active. I've, I've alluded to this already. You, you, uh, the formation has a purpose. It's, it's going to do something. And here's how this, for, this, this formation focuses, focuses itself. And there are two phrases that are used in the passage. You see them? Well, the first one is seek the things that are above. The second one is set your mind on things above and not on earth. You see him? But you know the word seek when you see that because Jesus uh, came to, remember, to seek and to save that which was lost. It's the same word that's used here. It's an important word. Uh, Jesus did some other things, but that's, the other things are not why he came. He came because he was seeking the lost that he might save them. And, and, and then to set our minds on things above. Uh, that, that means to establish them. Um, it, mean, it means to get serious about the ideas of who God is, about His will, about His life. Those are really important words. This formation is about seek, seeking and setting our minds. I, I was thinking of, of what it might mean to, to be set. Setting our minds and uh, I'll just confess it, I love baseball. I, I, I was never good at it, but I love the game. You know, these guys are just amazing. 
they're out there in the, the field and they're pounding their glove perhaps and looking around and there's something about this. When the pitcher starts to go into his wind-up or is about ready to deliver the ball, all of a sudden, all of them on the field stop whatever they're doing and they focus, right? I mean, they establish their feet and their glove and their eyes and their mind because they don't know for sure that the ball is coming to them, but they will be ready. They'll be ready. So we set our minds. We're, we don't know what comes next. We don't know what the world will bring or the church will bring or, the, or our, our health will bring. We don't know those things, but we'll be set. Not on just life, but on things that are above. Some, some people have said this. Listen, some people have said, he's so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly good. That's a lot of baloney. Did you know that? I mean, think about it. I have never met a person who is truly heavenly minded who is not earthly of earthly value and good he's not a person that just goes around looking at the sky and the stars he's not one that just quotes bible verses all the time but in his mind in her mind there are things that are passing through about who god is and the glory of god and the wonder of god he's not going to let go he's going to be set so that when the things of this world come he or she will be ready for them. In our past, Charlotte had and I had the privilege of uh, having Kurt Cloninger. Cloninger, uh, uh, I thought I, I thought I would say it right. Come to our church a couple of times when we were in California, and he's a, he did, he may still be doing a drama and acting out gospel stories in different ways but one of my favorite ones is the one that he tells about this watchdog mutt of his uh, the farmer you know and his dog it's kind of an interesting picture uh, by the way i just want you to know tennessee's cruelty to animal statues make it illegal to transport or confine an animal in a cruel manner there you go i i looked that up yesterday just to make sure so I guess it might be okay. You might get a ticket too if you do this. But nonetheless, here is this dog. What's that dog thinking? I'll tell you what that dog's thinking. This is how Kurt plays this out in this drama. You could probably find it on YouTube someplace. That dog is thinking, this is the greatest life. I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm with her, that person that's driving the car. Look at the life I get. It's their vehicle. It's their truck. But I'm with them. How wonderful it would be that if we go th we'd go through our days and remember, I'm with Him. I'm with the Lord. My mind is fixed on Him. I'm seeking Him, the things that are above. That's what God's Word calls us to. That's the formation. That's the formation. How are we doing? As a church... As a culture, a Christian culture, uh, I'm not sure in America today we're doing all that well. Uh, most of us are trying to figure out government and how to get ahead in life and 
how to stay healthy and how to win in business or school. Come on. What if, church, what if our emotions were set on things that are above and not on things on earth? When a new pastor comes, when a new pastor comes, how good it would be that he would see throughout this body a family of people who are spiritually formed. Now, there's a little bit more. In fact, there's a lot more. I've touched on first four verses, three, first three verses and a little bit of four. But the rest of this paragraph down through verse 11 I just refer to this as the repetitions that need to be a part of our life. The repetitions of Christ. And you can see what they're about. Our church family down in Knoxville just spent 21 days reading a little book on prayer and just committing ourselves to be engaged in prayer. Why 21? Well, some of you know this. They tell us it takes about three weeks to establish new habits. Maybe our habits were already praying, hopefully, but the whole church is saying, we're just going to focus on praying as we begin this, this new year. Lots of churches do that. Those kinds of things. It's repetition. Repetition helps us secure our culture. Repetition helps us to display it consistently. It's kind of like the peloton in in cycling. There's some people in the front, there's some people in the back, but together, we're doing this together, we're repeating this process together. Paul writes about a number of areas of our lives, three or four of them in particular, and and the first couple of them stand out just at, at the beginning of this section of, Colossians chapter 3. Um, I just mentioned them. I'm just going to mention them today. You see them on the screen. The first is to put off the, 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 the matters of sexual purity and then this whole matter of conversation or how we talk. But the key really is found down in verses 9 and 10. Would you look at that? It, it, there Paul says that we are to put off. In fact, we have. We have put off and we have put on. We've put off and we've put on. Uh, you know, if, if you, again, I'm not, I gave up golf a long time ago after it gave up on me. Uh, but I know this about golf, that when, when you take a golf club and you, and you take it to the ball and you put the, the club down on the ball, it, it doesn't go anywhere if you just leave the club there, right? It, it doesn't go anywhere really if you only go forward with it either. It might go a couple of feet, but that's all. It doesn't go anywhere if you swing backwards with it. Not at all. It won't go anywhere. Unless you kick it with your foot, which I've done <laughs> to my friend's ball, you know. No, it's the back and the forward. It's all really meant to be one motion. It's just one act of our life. The back and the forward, or the wax on and the wax off. I never really understood that except I've watched the movie. So, um, you know, it, you do both. And so the Bible teaches us that we put off the old man and we put on the new. You don't just stop doing something. The Bible never says just stop it. It does say stop it, but it doesn't say just stop it. Put off the old man, put on the new man. That's a repeated teaching of the Apostle Paul. 
We're to put off the works of the flesh, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. So here we, we find that we have done this in verse 9. And it wasn't necessarily, e- necessarily easy. And it's not easy in a church either to stop doing things that it shouldn't be doing and start doing things that it should. But if you'll do it and you'll repeat it, that the repetitions will start to come. They'll become a part of who you really are. We need to remember it's a battle. We need to remember that there's a roaring lion. We need to know and and be reminded that we are putting on the whole armor of God and there's a reason we do that. It's for the sake of carrying out the purposes of God in our world, but it's also the establishment of this culture. So putting off, putting on. Then the one area is the area of sexual purity. You can read through the list. I remember just reading recently within the last four or five months, uh, someone saying, and I won't go into the detail of it, that we, we just shouldn't worry so much about the sexual stuff. You know, let's, the church needs to get beyond that stuff. It, 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 it's all we're known for. And, and, and if that's all we're known for, then we've got problems. I, I agree. But nonetheless, here it is. Paul is saying, this is really important. Young people, older people, this is really important. He describes it for us in some rather specific detail that we could, we won't this morning, go into. The second area is this whole matter of our conversation, our talk. Paul seems to touch on a couple of of, uh, arenas, really, in our, our talk, how we speak to one another. Uh... Some of them seem to have to do more with our emotion, our anger, our rage, our malice. But even this matter of coarse language, one of America's shining public speakers is getting nailed for his language right now because of some of the things that he has said to people that work for him. Put it off, he says. But then there's this other section too, the destructive work of dishonesty and slander. But is the church known for slander? I'm afraid so today. Is it, is it known for dishonesty? Perhaps. It needs to stop, Paul says. You need to put on this truthful life. In fact, he goes on to speak about lying in particular, doesn't he? Have you ever said, he's just a little kid. Isn't that cute? Just lied. Just bold-faced lied. But that's what kids do. I don't think so. And certainly not as mature believers. That's not to be a part of our lives. I I would just say as an aside again to parents, don't let that slide. Be careful with that. I don't think I've told you this. We haven't been here in so long. But not that long ago, within the past year or so, one of our grandchildren was baptized in church out in Arizona and 10 years old, maybe, yeah. Uh, little girl, and in their church, it's a big church, so there might have been a thousand people sitting there at one of the services, and and she gets into the baptistry, and somebody else reads her testimony. My name is, she gave it, uh, Boobar, and uh, said, and I was a liar. That was her testimony. I was a liar. Here's a ten-year-old, and the truth was, she was a liar. We knew that as grandparents. We could see she could stand and stare us in the eye and tell us something that she wanted us to believe was true. 
We didn't. We knew it wasn't. But God convicted her of that. And so did her parents probably and her grandparents. And that little girl changed. Now, I still think she might have a tendency to stretch something a little. But if you knew her before, huh? Amazing what God does. Dealing with those kinds of things. How we speak to one another. Is there a time in the church's history, my history even, and I'm one of the older people here, maybe the oldest person here. Uh, we, in, in my lifetime, I can't remember there's been a time where there's been so much dishonesty and lying in the media. And even with, and then Christians believe it, and then they pass it on, a slander, and then we, we do all these. All I'm saying is, brothers and sisters, we've got a culture to live out. We've got a culture to live out. And this is how we express it. Here's how we repeat the life of Christ in some areas of our life. Uh, we need to be careful and we need to work at it. So, what do we do? Well, we need to re remember a few things about this Christly culture that God has given to us. And this is just how I hope we can apply it to our lives today. Why must we be so concerned about this culture? Why is it important to faith, Bible, fellowship? I'll give you three reasons. Number one, because your, your city is desperate for it. The church needs to be seen as different than the rest of the world. Imagine with me, let's see, going to some remote village, maybe in Africa, some place where there is no clean water, no clean water at all. And you come into that village and you start to pour just one cup of water for everybody in that village. You can give them one cup of clean water. Guess what's happened? They have now, had, they've now been enlightened. They have now understood what clean water is. What would it be like if our world around us, our city, our community, started to see the Christ life instead of the world's life within the body of Christ. So number one is that they are desperate for it. Number two, your neighbors are watching. Your neighbors are watching. You know, we all say, oh, you shouldn't judge, you shouldn't judge. I don't care what you say, they're going to judge. They're going to do it. I mean, you can tell them not to, but they're going to, especially if we're religious at all especially if we take our faith seriously at all. People are going to find out that you're a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, a part of a church, all those kinds of things. They're going to see how you care for one another. They're going to see how you look upon yourself and others. Your neighbors are watching. So we need to watch. We need to watch. Now, my job is not to watch you and you watch me. You're, as an individual, seeking things above, setting your minds on things above, not on earthly things, carrying out this mission of what, what it is to live a holy life. But we do it together. We're all committed to doing it together. A friend of, of, of mine, maybe a couple of years ago now, wrote this. He said, we often check ourselves out in the nearest available mirror to make sure we don't have scrambled eggs in our mustache. He has a mustache. No, no, no wonder he wrote that. Uh, not a problem for women, by the way. Um, to, 
or we do it to verify makeup. Our makeup isn't smeared. Not a problem for men, usually. Uh, to check that the hair is neatly combed. Not a problem for some. Um, to, to assure we don't have grease spots on our garments. I had one on my jacket this morning. I got it off uh, just in time. Uh, could be a problem for everyone. We all look in the mirror for different reasons. But what if we start looking in the mirror for our spiritual relationship with God? What if we start the day by saying, God, I'm going to set my heart and my mind on things above, on you. That's what I want to do with my life today. Because other people are watching as well. And the third reason why we need to be concerned about this is because our lives will be transformed. This is not bad stuff. Our lives will be transformed. They need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. They need to be transformed by the presence of God's Spirit. We need to know what it is to be convicted when God wants us to be convicted, not when our neighbors want us to be convicted, but when God wants us to be convicted. We need to do, as the prophet of old said, we need to stand by the road and look. We need to seek the ancient path. We need to walk in it as an expression of the formation that God has put us into. We need to practice. We need to repeat. This week we had a, 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 a visitor from my past. We, we were in that same boys program when, I, when we were teenagers. You know, we were the same age. We went to the same high school. We played in the same band. And then I went off to a Christian college and he went off to the University of Illinois and he became a marine pilot. And he, wrote, he flew the F-35. F4, excuse me. And he landed them on aircraft. Crazy thing, crazy thing. I said, Len, this week, I said, Len, uh, how many times did you do that? How many times did you land that plane on the aircraft? He said, just under 100 times in his career as a pilot. I said, did you ever miss? He said, uh... No, but it wasn't just, if I did, it wouldn't have just been my problem. There are a lot of people that have to do, their, they have to do this together to make that happen. I said, how'd you feel the first time you tried to land that thing? Oh, he said, I was sick. I was so scared. You know, there's this white dot, I, he described it, I don't remember exactly what he said, and it has to line up right here in his vision. And that and You just have to trust that. That's where you. That's how you land this plane. And I thought, that's us. That's the church. It's. It's not just me. I'm not. I'm not a pilot. I'm not the guy. We are a team. The church is a body of Christ. In formation. Repeating the things that are honoring to God. And so I say to you, recall. Recall what God has called you to this formation and refocus it at times. Refoc Look in the mirror, refocus it, and then repeat it. Repeat the things that God has called you to do. And God, God will use this church for His glory. Let's pray. So Lord, uh, we take a look at this passage of Scripture and we ask, Lord, that You would help apply it to our hearts and our minds today that we'd be good underneath the Word, that we would be under the Word and the meaning of the Word today. So bless the church, enrich it, and help it to understand who it is because of Jesus Christ.
And we pray that we might honor you, not in our flesh, but in our seeking, in our setting of our minds, for the glory of Christ. Amen.